Well, we're continuing this week in our series on looking at David as the role model for a New Testament believer. And, you know, really, one of the principal ways we look at David is as a king, because he, he ruled over Israel. You know, he led them into victory. All the other leaders in, in Israel's history, uh, they led them for a time, but they're, it's like they're Old Testament examples. Or David, it's like he's a, he's a type of a New Testament believer, an example for us of what God wants to do and where he wants to, to lead us, you know, because David is a type of a king and a priest, as we're called to be. You know, he led Israel to conquer all her enemies as a, as a king, victorious king. Uh, and he also was kind of like a priest because he entered into the presence of God. He entered into uh, and sat before the ark and inquired in his presence. He communed with him. And so our calling is to be like David in that respect, uh, to become kings and priests with God and reign with him, as it talks about in Revelation. You know, we reign, we're, we're called to reign in life, in the millennium, and in eternity. Or as Peter tells us in 1 Peter uh, 2 and verse 9, you know, we are, we are called to be a royal priesthood. That's what the Lord desires of us. And that's our calling. That's something we aspire to enter into. And, you know, that can be a, a strange thing to consider at times, uh, you know, in that Scripture, sometimes it calls us these terms in a present tense, you know, in, this, in the thought of you are. Um, you know, and I think we can understand that in the sense of, of a calling or, or pr- almost like, like a dynasty. You know, if you consider a family of... Let's, and just to pick a, a calling, you could say, or an occupation, maybe say firefighters. I watched a documentary on firefighters last night, so that kind of stuck into my mind. Um, you know, if your grandfather was a firefighter and your father was a firefighter, and you could, you know, you feel that same calling, you could say it's in your blood as, as a young person. You know, that, that's what I want to do. I know it. But that doesn't make you one. Until you train, until you prepare, until you're made ready to enter into that occupation. Um, you know, and so all of us are called to become kings with God or queens with the Lord uh, and to reign with Christ in the same way that David did and to enter into that victory. You know, one of the things that we know David did was he led Israel to a complete victory. It's a wonderful picture of God, what God wants to do in our lives. You know, all of the other leaders in Israel, they led, they led them to a certain amount of victory, but David led them to complete victory over all their enemies. You know, we all face enemies, both spiritual without, but also I think really the worst enemies are within within our hearts, in, in the nature that we have, you know, the certain tendencies for sin or maybe even certain things that were passed down from previous generations. But just as David led Israel to a complete victory, God wants to lead us to a complete victory, to conquer as David conquered. I say it's a good picture in that sense 
Because, you know, David didn't totally wipe out the enemy from the face of the earth, right? He didn't destroy every single one of them so, you know, they, they'd cease to exist. Um, but he put them all under tribute. See, in Israel's history, there were times when they were, they were under the power of one enemy or another. They were nominated because they, they, they didn't really follow the Lord at one point or another. And they caused a lot of trouble or they invaded the land or they took their food or even they enslaved some, some of the Israelites. But David ended that because he led them to conquer. We may face enemies within and without but God wants to give us the opportunity in this life to conquer those enemies. That we're no longer under their power, but they're under our power, our control, or not our control, but the control of the Spirit of God within us. God wants to set us free from the power of the enemy, but also the power of what is within us. Maybe it, whether it's wrong thoughts, fear, Worry, pride, envy, jealousy, all of those things that, that man can deal with in, in our hearts. And instead, he wants to allow peace to reign and righteousness and holiness and humility. All of those beautiful aspects of Christ that he wants to work within us. We're called to overcome, according to Paul's words, in Romans 5.17, he talks about the work of Christ in us. He said, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, that's Adam, one, one man, Adam, caused an offense or caused sin to come into the human race. But yet much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Sin entered into man by one person, by Adam. We inherited that nature. But when we accept Christ, we receive another nature, a different nature, the Spirit of Christ. And so Paul says, how much more shall we reign in life? That's really the, the key phrase, reign in life. By the power of the one who's the greater Adam. Right? He's greater that, you know, sometimes we look at our sin and it's like, oh man, that sin is just so powerful. It's so much. But that, that comes from the weaker Adam. There's a stronger one in us. He's actually called the second Adam or the last Adam because he's the one with power. And through him comes a nature that will set us free and cause us to reign in life. I love that phrase. Reign in life not just in eternity, not just in the millennium, but to reign in life so that like King David with Israel, we can put those things that used to control us or even maybe right now, there's, they have a power over us to influence us to get react certain ways or think certain ways or feel certain ways. But God leads us in a pathway or that no longer has power over us, but it is under the dominion of the Spirit of God within us. But if we go back to Paul's words in, in, uh, in Romans 5.17, he brings out some specific things we need to focus on in order to come to that place of reigning in life. 
First, the first thing is we have to receive not just the occasional grace, but it says the abundance of grace, the abundance of grace. And, you know, grace can speak of divine favor, where God has favor on us, granting us life, you know, as as we accept Christ. He had favor upon us, kind of like Esther, when she came into the throne room of the king and the king held out the golden scepter, he had favor on her allowing her life, and God has favor upon us. But there's also that other aspect of grace where it's divine ability, divine power. God wants to empower us. We come boldly into his throne of grace in time of need, as it says in in Hebrews 4.16, and we receive a divine ability to do his will, to overcome. And if we're going to reign in life, we need an abundance of his divine ability. That means we need to approach the throne of grace a lot, you know? And, and so that's a good thing to think about. How much I, am I repro- approaching the throne of grace? That's going to determine what our abundance of grace is in life to reign. And God might lead us into an abundance of situations that cause us to cry out for grace so that we can receive that abundant grace. But there's also the thought there that You know, some occupations don't require much training, but there's other occupations that require an abundance of training. You know, think about like a doctor, you know, has to go to school and be trained uh, to a significant degree or, you know, like like, like my dad, a pilot has to have a lot of training and it's ongoing training or an engineer has to go to school for a long time and get that training to build and so forth. But but there's, it's the same thing in, in the Spirit of God. You know, if we're going to overcome and triumph and, and reign as kings with God, there's a lot of training. There's a lot of, of working. There's an abundant uh, amount of situations God is going to bring us into to train us so that we can obtain grace to, to reign in life, to overcome obstacles and enemies. And so we need the abundance of grace to reign But then it also has to be combined with the gift of righteousness. This speaks of of something else being done in those many situations. We receive grace, but then there's a work that's being done. You know, as we cry out for grace, God is doing something in our nature. It's a gift or a work of righteousness. Now, we we are saved exclusively through the righteousness of Christ because our own righteousness is worthless. In fact, it's less than worthless. It's filthy rags, as it says in Isaiah. And so he covers us with his righteousness. We're counted righteous because of what he has done, because of his sacrifice. Yet as we follow him, there's a righteousness he doesn't just want to cover us with, that he wants to work into our lives to accomplish. You know, And Pastor Bailey said in one of his books, he had this he gave this quote he said it is one thing to be counted or imputed righteous but it's quite another thing to be made righteous to be made righteous requires time and many acts of obedience that's our calling to reign in life we have to have the righteousness of Christ written upon the fleshly tables of our hearts worked within us and it takes many acts 
of obedience. Yes, Lord, okay, I surrender. I'll follow you. I'll, I'll do this because you're calling me to do this. It's still not our own works of righteousness. It's just allowing God to do a divine work as we obey, as we surrender and respond, and we follow the Lamb wherever He leads us. David said in, in Psalm 24 and verse 3, he said, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he will receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who is it that's going to receive righteousness from God? Well, the implication uh is that there's an ongoing work you know, that David's talking about as we ascend the hill of the Lord. We're continuing on our spiritual journey and ascending his holy hill. And so he's sharing about his, his path of righteousness, and he mentions these four things. Clean hands. Speaking of our, our works being cleansed. You know, no unclean works in our lives or doing our own thing. A pure heart. David's cry was, Lord, created me a clean heart when he, God revealed there were unclean things. He said, oh God, cleanse me. He said, not lifting up your, your soul to idols, to vanity. You know, and so there's a cleansing away of things in our hearts that if anything is more important than God or it comes close to it, that has to be cleansed away. Or then the last one, sworn deceitfully. It's a clean speech that our words and our reaction in words is cleansed. And so we can see from David that it takes many acts of obedience of God searching and trying our ways, but the result is he shall receive the righteousness of the God of his salvation. Or as Paul connects that to us is that we can reign in life through Jesus Christ. Now, there's just a couple other things I want to consider here uh, just in looking at the thought of, of being kings with God and reigning with him. And I want to consider a king in the Old Testament. And it's found in, in Hebrews. You know, there's someone that was mentioned in Scripture in, the, in Genesis, but there's a truth that is brought out about him in Hebrews. In Hebrews 7 and verse 1, it says, There was a man named Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God who met Abraham as he returned from victory. And so here's another person who is a type. He was, he was a king and a priest. In fact, he's another person who's a type of Christ. Because, in fact, Christ is called a priest after the order of Melchizedek in Psalm 110. Uh, but something that's significant for our topic is that he was called the king of Salem the king of Salem. Now, that city we know as Jerusalem today, but it was called Salem, which means peace. And so here's a king. He's called the king of peace. That, that's not a bad uh, title to have, the king of peace. It's really the, one of the titles of Christ. He's the prince of peace. And, but there's the thought that it, in order to come into our calling where we reign in life with Christ as a king is that we have to come into that place of 
kings of peace. Or as we can understand it from Scripture, experiencing the peace of God in our lives. And this might seem like a simple concept on the surface, right? Okay, it's the peace of God. Uh, But experiencing and walking in the peace of God brings profound power. As Paul said in Romans 16 and verse 20, he said it's the God of peace that will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Now something in me really identifies with that verse because I want it to happen. Right? Don't you want the God of peace to crush Satan? Not just defeat him, not just knock him back, but crush Satan. That's a desirable outcome. But it comes through the God of peace. You know, he didn't say the Lord of hosts will crush Satan, or he didn't say the mighty God of Jacob, but he said the God of peace will crush Satan. And so that type of victory, that level of victory is going to come as we know and experience the peace of God. Now, Christ demonstrated the peace of God in a very unusual way. In Mark 4, remember the story where he's asleep in the back of the boat and, you know, he's at peace. He's just resting, you know. I don't know if, like, like they used to joke about, he's resting before the Lord with his eyes closed and he's with He's in the presence of his father, asleep in the boat after a long day of ministry. But then a storm arose, and the disciples got scared. They were seasoned sailors, but they still were scared for their lives. And so they, they not so gently woke Jesus up and said, Master, don't you care? We're about to drown. But look at what he did. Mark 4 and verse 39 says, He arose, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, Jesus had peace in his heart, and he was able to impart peace into that situation with three simple words Peace, be still. And peace came over the whole situation. Now, when you have the peace of God within you, not only will it enable you to go through the storms, but it's as if you can impart peace into the situation, into others. But to do that, first you have to have the peace of God. You know, that peace must be within your heart. Uh, The Apostle Paul, he he knew what it was like to have peace because he also knew what it was like to go through storms. And so he has a lot to say on that. And in Colossians 3 and verse 15, he tells us how we can have peace continually with us. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body. And so the Apostle Paul, he knew what peace, what it was like to have peace, both in liter- literal and spiritual storms. But he was conveying a certain meaning in this verse, um, in these words. The Greek word for that, and for that word rule, that the peace of God is rule, it carries the meaning of the rule of someone like an umpire in a game. You know, and it's as, it's as if we are the players in the game. We have our part to play, but it's the umpire. It's the spirit of peace, the Holy Spirit, that tells us what the rules are. Uh, and he tells the, us what, what plays are according to the rules. 
You know, what plays are disqualified? What plays will cause us to win? What plays will cause us to lose? And as we are sensitive to the umpire of peace, he leads us to victory. But his peace must rule in our hearts. You know, we'll have situations uh, in life where we have to make that decision. And, well, which, what decision do I need to make to reign in this, in this situation, to reign in life? And our response has to be, Lord, show us the way of your peace. Lord, show us the way to go. Lead us by your peace. And there have been many situations in my life, uh, in our lives, where we haven't necessarily received a word from heaven, but we've, we've asked, say, Lord, lead us. Show us what to do and what, what situation is right. And, and we, don't feel some, we don't hear something in our ears, but we'll look to each other and say, do you have peace? Yeah, I have peace about this. And we know God's leading us. Or sometimes it's the opposite. It's like, I don't have peace about this. You know, in one sense, in one situation, when you have peace, God's showing you the way to victory. When you don't have peace, he's showing you the way to avoid defeat. But we need to make that our way of life. And when we do, it lays a foundation for us to become kings of Salem, where we reign in life through the peace of God. I want to mention one last aspect, if I could. It may, might take us over a few minutes over our normal time, but hopefully you'll, you'll make it. Uh, but I, I was just kind of quickened by this, this thought of the appearance of reigning in life, right? The appearance of reigning as kings with Christ or queens, because the outward appearance does not always reflect the spiritual and eternal reality of being kings and priests with God. We can understand this through Christ. You know, he reigned in his life over every situation, but he died on the cross. He died in a very low way. By looking on the outward, you would not say, that was victorious. You only understand that by learning of the ways of the Spirit and what the, what the Scriptures say, right? And so at the end of his life, it did not appear he, like he was reigning, but in the resurrection, he did, because he rose again to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so there's a truth about being kings and queens with Christ and reigning with him that the true fulfillment comes after this age when Christ returns in an eternity, but in this life, we don't always appear to reign on the outward, right? There's not that, always that appearance of glory and greatness because we're, we're reigning in life through Jesus Christ. You know, the, the reigning or the abundance of grace and righteousness and peace take place within, and they can be a hidden work. Uh, not, not very apparent except for those who know to look for it. That, that oh, they're, they're in a terrible situation, but they're reigning. Because usually it's because oh, we know what that's like, of having to cry out to God to reign in this situation. But there's a thought that, in, in, that is in the heart of true kings in Christ is found the humility to be able to reign in the lowest of situations. And, and it's that thought of being willing to be brought down to the lowest of places 
Christ reigned, but he, be- he became the lowest for us. And I want to close with this, this last verse here. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. It says, For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. The Lord is high and lofty, yet his eyes are upon a certain group of people and his heart desires to dwell with them. Those who are of a contrite and humble spirit. God says, I'm coming to revive their spirit because they have walked with me in the low places. But in reality, walking with him in those low places is reigning with him. And I'll just close with a story. Some of you have heard, you know, Pastor Bailey, our founder, one time he had that, a vision of heaven and he saw an assembly. And in this assembly, uh, it was taking a place in, a, in what, what he termed like an amphitheater or a stadium. Maybe we'd think of like the Bucks Stadium in Tampa you know, on the playing field is kind of the lowest place. And then in, in, in the seating, it just kind of goes up and up and up. And he said in heaven, it just kind of kept going up. But there was Christ. He was in the middle of the amphitheater and it was in the very lowest place in that. And those who were seated near him, he, he understood in, in his spirit that your seat in the stadium was based upon the humility that had been developed in your life. That was based, that determined where you sat in that stadium and how close you were to him. And so those who were seated close to him were those who had developed the beautiful fragrance of humility, being willing to walk in the low places and put on the garment of humility and of a servant and how they had obeyed Christ and related to others. And so that whole stadium was filled, but if you were close to Christ in those low seats, it's because you had walked in that low way, willing to follow him into the low places to reign with him. And so we kind of covered a lot in this message. I got that last part done. We didn't go too far over our time. But, but you know, this message on reigning with Christ as kings and queens with him. That's our calling. We're called to reign in eternity, but, but we do that by reigning in life. Through many experiences of crying out for and obtaining the grace of God, the abundance of grace, being cleansed from the works, our works, through Christ and, his, and having his righteousness put into us, learning to walk and be led by the peace of God as an umpire in our hearts. And in doing so, the enemy is crushed under our feet. And as we follow Christ into the low places, in reality, we're sitting with him in heavenly places. And we dwell with him there for all eternity. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your calling Lord, and for the example you've given to us, Lord, of David and Melchizedek and, Lord, many others in Scripture. Lord, our desire is that we would follow you into these ways. And, Lord, we desire to come into that that same victory that David experienced, Lord, in his kingdom. Lord, may we experience that in our life. 
Oh, lead us, Lord. Even show us areas where you want us to obtain victory or a greater level of victory. Lord, we want to, to triumph by your spirit, by the, Lord, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Oh, lead us. Lord, would you lead us by your peace? Cause your peace to reign in us, oh God, that we could even impart that to other people. And Father, we pray that you would help us to follow you even into the low places and to put on that garment of a servant. Oh Lord, that we could dwell with you in those heavenly places for all eternity. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.